This podcast contains adult language and adult subject matter that may be inappropriate or triggering for some individuals. Listener discretion is advised. talking to my friend Marin about dates where we might hang out and I was like oh let me get back to you about this date because I might be going to see my aunt but autocorrect put me auntie <laughs> I might be going to see me auntie and I was like wow okay anyway and then just now when I was telling Tiff I'm about to record I said I'm about to record too I'll text you tater <laughs> I meant to say later <laughs> my phone my phone will do that. It autocorrects because I'm an awful speller, but it also <laughs> puts in its own words even when I don't want it to. I did not say to put that in there. And it also does not think that were is a word. Why? it always does we are. It, like it puts an apostrophe in it. I'm like, no. I think it's actually trying to be like that know-it-all kid in the class. It's like, <laughs> what you meant to say? And it's like, no, you're actually not always right. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not talking about your mom are. needs to y- tell you you're wrong more. Actually, I had a kid like that in community college where we had like verbal words <gasps> oh, and God. in my philosophy class. Get the fuck out. You can't be that person in philosophy. Oh, but he was. But he was, <laughs> Brie. And I literally during the class had to be like, you need to stop. Oh, my God. You need to stop. And then the teacher yelled at me and I was like, OK, I hate it here. <laughs> Who is he? Confucius? Yeah. Come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyway, I, I, know like I was in barely passed that class. It was so hard, actually. I don't know if anyone's ever taken a philosophy class. Um, mm-hmm. I'm stupid, <laughs> is what it taught me. I've never understood how you grade philosophy. Well, so here's the thing. It's just all tricks. Maybe it's I don't all know what tricks. Is. Listen to this. <laughs> I don't know. I sure shit didn't. I thought we were I thought we were gonna have like pondering questions like what does it all mean? Yeah. But no, we're dissecting <laughs> words. Cause it turns out this is like a prerequisite for law school. Spoiler nice. alert, guess who wouldn't make it into law school? This girl. <laughs> you don't want me representing She's you anyway, no because it'd be like no. I would be like, to be honest, Your Honor, you're being an ass. <laughs> Um, they would, there's like certain sentences that people use and like based on the words that they use, like can negate something. So it's like false, false, true, 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 false. And like based on that, cause then you start pulling it away then. So then it becomes like a true, true. And then it's like somehow false. So therefore they're lying. And I'm like, I want to throw up. I'm so confused. I definitely don't know what philosophy is. No, you don't. No, you don't. I'm going to stop talking about it. We should. Stop talking about things that you don't know. (laughs) Please nobody ever ask us about philosophy. No. But welcome back, guys. (laughs) We are so happy to have you here. And because we forgot to do it last time, 
I'm going to really early just jump right in and say, in case this is your first time, I'm Bree. I'm Abby. And we are your rent-free roommates. Boom. Check. <laughs> Got it out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> Apologize to anybody that maybe was confused last time. I, there's Surely there's <laughs> no way you could have been because we name drop like motherfuckers. Yeah, that's true. So... If you didn't know, if you got to like five minutes in, <laughs> then seven minutes in, ten, <laughs> I think you would have heard rent free. Did you get free spelling? <laughs> Do you want to try it? You know what? I didn't practice. <laughs> um, and I'm actually like, you've, you've really made big shoes. <laughs> Not just because you are like taller than me too. <laughs> I've got the dad jokes today. Size 11 is pretty damn big. Size five and a half, guys. <laughs> when I try on Bree's shoes, it's like a little kid playing with their mom's shoes. <laughs> with their dad's shoes. I digress. <laughs> I'm short. Bree's tall. This is rent-free roommates. <laughs> <laughs> and we're happy to have you back. <laughs> we're so happy. And we had so much fun at the sleepover, did you? Yeah, I hope you did. We it was really it was so much fun. I and even though it was delayed, I had and it was a, it was a lot of work, but I really did have fun getting a little bit more into the spirit and putting a little bit extra into that episode and I really hope that you guys enjoyed it. And you guys need to show some commotion for that. Um <laughs> because we really worked with the sound effects on that one. So Come on, don't let it go to waste. Share it. <laughs> Download it. Yeah. Rate it. Like it. Seems like you guys are really enjoying it, which makes me, uh, makes both of us very happy. This podcast's only about Brie. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but to be selfish again, <laughs> I know it was said in all of our posts, but I just need to say it as well. Thank you guys so much for all of your kind words and just for all of the support and always being understanding. When we need to take time away, because it has been a rough year, you guys. <laughs> I know. 2023 has not been kind, um, but you all have been much kinder than the year itself. So yeah. thank you so much. We really do appreciate you guys, and we're grateful for you. Beyond grateful, really. Yeah. I mean, you guys just, whenever we need the pick-me-up, it's like you guys know to be there. Because this episode, their last week's episode, has been so successful already that it's really made us super excited about it. We've gained a new follower. Uh, <laughs> shout out to you, Matt. But, and, you know, it's just really rewarding, too, when we get the compliments that we do on our chemistry on the sound so it just makes it all worth it and I feel like you guys always know when we need to hear it most so you're some of the best roomies we could ask for and we've had some real shit ones yeah. some horror stories you might say <laughs> could that possibly be a segue Abby <laughs> very nice <laughs> not <Thank> obvious <laughs> at all <laughs> I try to be really subtle with it that's all I just like Subtlety's I try to middle name. put it in there <laughs> so they like they never know when yeah. I'm trying to transition they're like oh smooth Ooh, <laughs> is what I imagine yeah that's how I imagine every single person who listens to these episodes and hears my segues <laughs> and then hears me applaud my segues they're like god humble and smooth that one <laughs> words to describe Abby <laughs> it's your next tattoo <laughs> <laughs> But we are very excited about this episode as well. Going to do some more spooky stuff. Hope that you guys are really enjoying your October because at least in Chicago, the weather has been Ooh, exactly been where I want good, it. good, baby. <laughs> like we are very blessed. This has been a very fall season so far. Yeah. I'm having... Knock on wood. I don't want it to go away. <laughs> I was like, what's he on here? Oh my God, are you going to scare me like last episode? 
which I could not believe you did that. My little scary ass. You would think for somebody who loves horror as much as I do that I would have just like a better resilience to everyday life. But no, no. It's the opposite. But it, may, it also makes sense that you you're very me, jumpy. Yeah, you give me a fucking shadow and I'm screaming. So that's unfortunate. But just like philosophy, it doesn't make sense. My love for horror and my inability to not get scared at like sudden movements. But this episode, I think, will be a really fun one for the two of us. Mm -hmm. Uh, One thing I feel like Brie and I always talk about, just because we have a love for movies in general, is we always like the origins of stuff. And we always kind of like to know the ins and outs, the whys. Like, there have been times where I've walked into Brie's room and just like she's a huge fan of Haunting of Hill House. We both are. And she's literally watching like how this episode was shot. (laughs) So this episode, we really want to talk about some of our like favorite kind of scary movies shows and some events that inspired those yeah which I think will be really great to talk about I'm excited to get into it but before we do if you have any stories whether they're scary or not we do still want to hear your scary stories it's never too late to send those in we are all year round happy to hear them (laughs) all year round and but if you do have anything else Anything that you want advice on, any questions, any, you just want to celebrate something, you have something exciting to tell us, Mm I am so happy to hear good news. We're all ears (laughs) and we could use it. Yeah. (laughs) So if you have anything at all that you want to tell us or ask us, you can email us at rentfreeroommates at gmail.com. That is r-e-n-t-f-r-e-e-r-o-o-m-a-t-e-s at gmail.com okay i gotta practice that in the mirror she's so good at it (laughs) thank you so much i'm just gonna have to do it myself i'm just gonna have to shut up and do it adding that to my resume (laughs) (laughs) can spell really well on the fly and they're gonna be like fuck that's not true (laughs) only this email i can spell it (laughs) kind of fast And if you don't have anything to email us about, we will always take a new follower, a new roommate. Um, We love it. So we're on two social media platforms. So it's really going to take you two seconds. Facebook, Instagram, rent-free roommates. Yeah. So easy. So easy. And then not only can you follow us on everything, you can listen to us on everything. Yeah. Just about anywhere you can find podcasts. We are there. And please subscribe so that you know... When we're back, in case anything else happens. Knock on wood again. In case the universe (laughs) needs to just punch Brie one more time before the year's up, okay? Please don't. We highly recommend you subscribe and follow. But for the foreseeable future, um, no more emergencies and no more um, time away. We're just really going to try and keep on schedule. (laughs) That's our plan. Hopefully the universe (laughs) agrees. We have a meeting set up to talk with them about it. We'll let you know how it goes. (laughs) Wish us luck. (laughs) All right. I think that's all the dad jokes I have for this intro. (laughs) On that note, let's get into it. (laughs) Oh, we still have to start watching um, Follow the House of Usher. Yes, correct. (laughs) I'm ready whenever you are. I know. We've been busy (laughs) getting back into everything. Um, but I'm so excited because we all know I could, well, maybe you guys don't, <laughs> but I could talk about Hill House forever. We are, this is a big Mike Flanagan household. It really is. Which brings me to. Which is just me and you. <laughs> yeah. And there's only three people that live here. So 
when you put it, it in enough. that perspective, yeah, it actually is a really big Mike Flanagan household. Come on. <laughs> Two out of three. But no, this really is a huge Mike Flanagan household. I mean, hello, Dr. Sleep, one of my favorite movies. And just... I watch it like it's not almost three hours long. <laughs> I truly, I put it on and I'm like, oh, I've got the time. I always have the time. But seriously, that's how much I love that movie. But I also, it just brings me to one of our points that we were making earlier about just movies, books, everything, and what inspires them and what, like, relates to them. And I actually, it's so funny because we do need to watch that show because i always the house i always forget the name it's just so long and i'm like lol i'm sorry it is really long you have all the, you always have all the words they're just in different orders always it's fun to there. hear always will be just like songs i'm gonna make it up i still know what you're talking about yes we're gonna watch that show but we do also love to watch haunting of hill house and we've rewatched it a couple of times yes. and one fun thing is is i actually just read that book and I was telling oh, yeah. Bree how different it all is. And the comical thing about it is actually that the movie Scary Movie 2 falls more aligned with the book <laughs> and what it's about. I know that there's a movie that's based on it, too. Um, forgive me, everybody who listens to this and is a true like whore. I am, too. I swear to God. OK, <laughs> I just can't remember the name. It's called The Haunting. I got it. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get there. I didn't want anybody to come for me and be like, she's so fake, you know? <laughs> so I just really had to get that out of the way before that happened. It's called The Haunting, but Scary Movie 2 goes really, coincides really well with the book. The mov- the show Haunting of Hill House on Netflix does not at all. <laughs> like, the only thing that is similar in the movie or the show in the book is some of the names and then some sort of scenes or like symbolism, like the stairs that are in the Haunting of Hill House show or the balcony, you know, that mm-hmm. I won't spoil it. Yeah. I almost did. <laughs> Ooh, babies. I almost did. And you should know that I kind of do that. So <laughs> that's on growth. <laughs> Good catch. That's on growth. But anyway, <laughs> that um, particular scene, that area, that's in the book, but it's not at all really, does not have the same significance in the show as it does in the book or vice versa sorry so the Hmm. show puts a lot of emphasis on it the book touches base on it and it's definitely in it's like there but it certainly has no part like it does in the show which i just think is so interesting and do they have the door in the book yes okay yeah they do have that, but it, it, there's just so many things that are left unanswered in the book compared to the TV show. I also want to talk about some other TV shows, movies, spooky stories, but let me let you talk because I feel like I can monopolize the conversation as well. Well, yeah. If we do talk about Hill House, I will be monopolizing Right. No, if we start talking about Hill House, about that's just going to be what this episode's about forever that's literally all it's gonna end up being about so we should get (laughs) off of it (laughs) i actually when we like sat down to think of what we can do for the month of october i just happened around right around that time i came across this post there was these two pictures of two houses a cartoon and like the real thing Mm -hmm. what claimed to be the real thing but you remember the show courage the cowardly dog yes i loved that show and also, somebody should have been definitely taking courage away from Eustace. He was not a good person. Oh, yeah. He, he was, was awful he was a to dick. courage. Yeah. Miriam, He's... and like, how did he bag her? I digress. Sorry. <laughs> yes, I've heard of the show. I love it. I, I watched that show 
But I don't think I liked it that much. Like it just well, made I mean, me it's fucked too. Yeah, and, but just like even like the animation and everything, the way that they combine animation and like kind of real stuff. Yes, mm-hmm. and the very just like liminal yes. setting. Yes, and everything like the it's sky. Just, yeah, oh, I re- like that in itself is scary just because they're literally like you're in the middle of nowhere. And mm-hmm. I mean, come on. If, and then to your point. There's just so much around you that it's like anything could be there. Yeah. Ooh. It's so eerie. It was. It was not a children's show. Like, that's the thing. <laughs> is what, like, you're right to feel what you feel because, no, that was not for children. It wasn't the same kind of enjoyment of, like, a scary show like Are You Afraid of the Dark was. It just made me so uneasy. Mm-hmm. It just, it made me, it, yeah, it almost triggered, like, fight or flight in me where I just, and maybe just because it, it just kind of dealt with, like, really as much as it was like sci-fi and like very out of this world it was also just kind of little bits of realism where well, it like it, could it, really happen and just for people sure taking advantage of them and stuff like that i don't it was just yeah such well, a, like a differently creepy show for, yeah. it wasn't for it was children <laughs> it was really not for children and it, well it's also cartoon network in general like grim adventures of billy yeah. and mandy <laughs> Like, why were we watching, in my most formative years, why am I watching this relationship with death, (laughs) the Grim Reaper? Oh, yikes. Right? Yeah, true. So, Brie, I get it. (laughs) Cartoon Network was not for everyone, especially in that era. And then they, like, were like, they they were like, we need to chill. Let's do something else. And they said, Foster's Home for Imaginary Kids. I loved that Yeah, they completely 180'd that. They said, fuck. Yeah. That was like the security blanket. Loved that show. That's why they always put it on after. (laughs) But like you said, it took place in the middle of nowhere. Like that was part of the creepy part of it. And kind of what this post talks about is all of this is alleged. None of this is founded, I should say, like firsthand. But so there's there's lots of theories about the show in general. But the two main theories um, are about the inspiration for the house and just the setting of the show. It showed the two pictures of what it always showed for like that title card where it was like, meanwhile, in the middle of nowhere. And it showed their house (laughs) with the little like weather vane. There's two pictures that claim to be the real house or what inspired the house. In one of the pictures is actually where uh, we can't even say murder because it was, it's still a mystery. It's still a cold case and it's still not solved to this day. But it is a house in El Paso, Texas. And it is the mysterious disappearance of William and Margaret Patterson. So on the surface, William Patterson, 52, and his wife, Margaret, 42, were owners of Patterson Photo Supply Shop in El Paso, Texas, and they seem like any other mom-and-pop business owners, successful ones at that, considering William also owned a boat, stock in a boat company, a Cadillac, and property in Guaymas, Mexico. Uh, probably really butchered that. I'm so sorry to everybody. (laughs) (laughs) The real scary story is going to be (laughs) Brie. My white ass pronunciations. (laughs) But they were generally well-liked and virtually had no enemies. So they would never be the people that you would assume would suddenly and mysteriously vanish without a trace, leaving their entire lives behind, including their cat, Tommy. 
On the morning of March 6, 1957, police searched the Patterson household after their friend and neighbor, Cecil Ward, called concern for his friend's well-being. Two nights before, Cecil and his wife had been over to the Pattersons for dinner, after which Cecil and William chatted in the garage as they added a new layer of acrylic to William's boat. There was never any talk of any upcoming trip. In fact, they made plans for later that week. So when Cecil arrived at his auto shop on March 6th, only to find Doyle Kirkland, owner of Duffy Photo Service, a competitive business, but still close friend of the Pattersons, in William's car, he was a little confused. And when asked why Kirkland had William's car, he explained that he and William had worked on his boat the previous night and that, quote, the Pattersons were going on a little vacation. He instructed Ward to fix a few problems on William's Cadillac. Cecil's confusion grew to concern, and he called the police. The Williams' house was found with dishes in the sink from last night's meal. Piles of expensive clothing, including a fur coat, had been left at the cleaners with no instructions about storage. None of the utilities had been disconnected, and the newspaper and mail were still scheduled for delivery, aside from Tommy the family cat, the Patterson household was eerily devoid of life. Ooh. Yeah. Cecil described William to police as a boisterous and extravagant yet kind man. But the further police questioned, the more the squeaky clean image of the Pattersons became tarnished and cloudy. Mm. Ward recalled an event when William had gotten drunk in Juarez, Mexico and picked a fight with a waiter. Turned out that William was dining with his 20-year-old mistress, <laughs> Uh-oh. Estefana Arroyo Morphine, and the waiter had refused to serve her. So he's cheating on his wife, so he's not the nicest man. Fucking dog. <laughs> Both William and Margaret weren't very forthcoming about their respective childhoods, except to say that they had been rough. William came from Chicago. Great. <laughs> Where he... <laughs> Where he once you still suck. <laughs> <laughs> where he once worked as a carnival barker. Margaret's parents disapproved of William and demanded that Margaret chose between William and them. <sighs> Margaret's friends later told police that she would not tell them her birth date and exactly how she and William had met or how long they'd been married. So weird. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think it was super underage? There is a 10-year difference between the two of them. Maybe so, that was part of it. Yeah. That could easily be part of it. Yeah. But you know what? I'm sure thing? just the job, too. I'm sure, sure. Her parents were like, he's a carny. <laughs> right. But, like, also, oh, my God, I fucking can't stand when parents are like, us or them. Because, like, you uh, yeah. know how it's going to work out, babe. Right. Like, when has it ever... I'm just saying. <laughs> they're not going to choose you over the person they think they're Look in love with. Look at the with. success rate of that statement. <laughs> it doesn't take a philosopher to know <laughs> that that's not going to work. It doesn't. That's how obvious the philosophy of that statement exactly. is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so William's father, Luther Patterson, testified in court of inquiry that he expected William and Margaret would disappear one day because William had the free-spirited heart of a carny. Mm. He then went on to say that he was certain the couple was not dead and that William had, quote, done things like that before. So he's 
he's like obviously also a great father and a great parent. Yeah, dad of <laughs> the year. Like, I know they're gonna disappear. He's a carny. And I just, don't give a fuck. <laughs> that's what he does. He just disappears. I don't know. I haven't talked to him. Uh-uh. <laughs> I have a kid. <laughs> Will what? <laughs> Who we? Babe, did we have a kid? <laughs> Hey, babe. (laughs) (laughs) So, actually, William's mistress also was questioned and told authorities that William mentioned having to, quote, disappear soon and do it quickly. But she later retracted her statement. So that's not helpful. She's messy. (laughs) We can't trust her. Yeah. I'm sorry, but she's messy. (laughs) Yeah, no, she's. I don't know. Who are you working for? Why did you? Why did you lie? That's yeah. me as a lawyer. <laughs> Why did you lie? That's not the truth. That's not what you told me mm-hmm. before. <gasps> yeah, your honor. What, that's not what they said 20 minutes ago. Your honor, that's not what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> and then on March 15th, 1957, Herbert Roth, the Patterson's accountant, received a telegram sent from the Western Union office in Dallas, where it had been commissioned via a phone call near the Love Field Airport. What a name. (laughs) The sender was listed as W.H. Patterson, which is odd considering William's middle name was Durrell. The telegram instructed Roth. This is wild. The telegram instructed Roth to act as business manager of the Patterson's photo supply company. It also asked Roth to sell a mobile home they owned and to use the proceeds to support the store and to rent out the Patterson's home for at least nine months. It's very specific. It's extremely specific. <laughs> Sounds like someone's pregnant. Um, don't know who. Because <laughs> they didn't give a name for who it should be rented to, but they did give a name for this. Lastly, the telegram directed Roth to hire a new store manager and replace William with none other than Doyle Kirkland. Hmm. That was the competitor dude, right? Yep. Hmm. <laughs> Though the telegram... I need a pen and a paper because <laughs> shit's not adding up. Awesome. Figure out what hasn't been figured out in the last 80 years <laughs> in 10 minutes. <laughs> Though the telegram seemed like a promising lead, it still left more mystery than answers. Like the fact that it was ordered over the phone, which meant there was no handwritten original that existed. Anyone could have called in on the phone to Western Union office in Dallas And while the telegram's requests definitely cast suspicion over Doyle Kirkland, apparently there was no further evidence that was concrete enough to link him to the disappearance. And by the 1960s, Kirkland left El Paso entirely, after which police lost track of him. So So. good. So glad we put money into that. Yeah. Um, Really great police work happening this whole time. To me, it seems like that was an easy detect, like, or, like, deter to put it on him. It seems really, like, easy. That's true. That could be. I was (laughs) just smelling bullshit the whole time. I was like, it's obviously this Doyle guy. Yeah. Because he had the car. The morning that they were missing, he claimed that he, and he said he was like, oh, they're going on vacation, but their actual friend, <laughs> and that's my opinion, because it does say supposedly that this Kirkland guy and the Pattersons were good friends, right? even though they had competing businesses that they were still very close. It's giving Jimmy Pesto and Bob's Burger. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> but 
Like he, I don't know. It just like he said that they're going on vacation and their friend and neighbor were like, no, they're not. Yeah. He was like, no, I just talked to him. We have plans later this week. But what if they told him that they were going on vacation? Could be. Forgetting and that they made plans with these people. Yeah. We really don't know either way. We don't. So these are all just like <laughs> loose loose theories that we're doing here well and you're on the right track and this is what everybody does that's why there's so many theories about this and i mean like we don't have a lot to go off of and it was really bad and bad poorly investigated (laughs) so that's also why everybody's like well it could be this it could be this and it's good that you're questioning it because like i said i was just so 100 percent like this doyle guy did it your honor lock him up i know who did it (laughs) what evidence do you have my gut feeling I don't know. This guy's shady as Don't you think? (laughs) Look at him, your honor. It practically writes itself, your honor. Look at his nails. They're so long. They're gross. Ew. Straight to jail. (laughs) So years after the disappearance, Sheriff Bob Bailey, that sounds like- What a fucking name. (laughs) I know. Two first names. (laughs) They loved that shit back then. Let me tell you. God. Bob Bailey. It sounds like somebody like this sounds like a sheriff that was written in. Sounds like a sheriff who is always a little eight steps behind. (laughs) So continue. Oh, Bob Bailey. Sheriff Bob Bailey tracked down a few hotel workers in the Valley del Bravo and showed them photographs of both William and Margaret. The workers identified the Pattersons as the couple who had stayed at the hotel for several months back in 1957. But there was no record of the Pattersons having stayed and no signed register. So on March 27th, 1964, the Pattersons were officially declared dead. Mm. After 20 years of the case going cold, a man named Ronaldo Nangare came forward in 1984 with new information. Nangare had been the caretaker of the Pattersons' home and confessed to homicide detective Freddie Bonilla that he had found blood in the garage and a piece of human bleh, human scalp Ew. on the propeller of the Patterson's Ew. boat shortly after the couple disappeared. Nangari admitted to having cleaned up the mess. Hmm. Why would you? Why would you do that? Why would you do that? <sighs> why? <sighs> Me as a detective too, <laughs> walking away. <laughs> What is he, a sim? Somebody just, that's his only job, just to clean? You're the caretaker? I'm sorry. These just make me laugh only because I'm like, I would be so horrible in these lines of work. Somebody telling (laughs) me. I would be such a bully. (laughs) I I would be, like, literally somebody explaining to me what happened. Ew. (laughs) Ew. And then, like, them being like, and I cleaned up the evidence. Are you fucking kidding me? You're so stupid, Beyonce. I would be like, go home. You're stupid. (laughs) I hate you. This investigation (laughs) is going to be so much longer now. (laughs) Yeah, I I would have no patience. No, these just (laughs) prove to me all the time that like I'm so not meant for those fields because I have the worst stomach for anything icky. I can't even hear about it. You think I can walk into a crime scene? Oh my God, right? Well, so that's already vague. And why would you clean it up? And then he goes (laughs) on to say he also claimed to have seen one of the Patterson's associates that's all he described them as associates. I don't know what that means. Taking bloody sheets out of the home and throwing them into the trunk of a car. But he couldn't af- 
identify the what associate. Can he do? What can he do? <laughs> Clean, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> when asked why he had waited so long to come forward, Nungari said he was an undocumented immigrant back in 1957. So, like, okay. I well, get now it. now I feel bad. <laughs> I still think you shouldn't have cleaned it up. Yeah, why are you cleaning it? And that he had feared deportation. Like, yeah. Makes sense. That. Yeah. I totally understand why it took you so long to come Do forward. Do you think that's why he cleaned it up then? He doesn't want to be associated with that. But if he was undocumented, <laughs> hopefully there's no proof that he was ever even there. And now he just outed himself. <laughs> And two years after speaking with the police, sadly, Nangari died in a car accident. That's suspicious. Yeah. That's odd. Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. There are several theories about the disappearance of the Pattersons. Some believe they were kidnapped and murdered. Others feel that William killed Margaret and then went on the run or vice versa. Maybe she killed him. Motive of that he was cheating on her. Sure. <laughs> Others still believe the couple was abducted by aliens. <laughs> um, and there are some, however, who speculate. This is one of my favorite theories, which also like I get where people get this. There are some, however, who speculate that the Pattersons were spies and had simply fled when instructed to do so. And it's crazy theories like that, especially the aliens and all that stuff, that further connect them to Eustace and Muriel and, you know, in the minds of all of the fans of Courage the Cowardly Dog. So that is why people think that that house, one of the pictures, one of the theories, is actually the inspiration for at least the setting of Eustace and Muriel's house in Courage the Cowardly Dog. Oh, okay. Like that, I really like the spy theory because it's, My, it me could, too. well, the timelines add up. You think about KGB. Yeah. Those timelines correlate with each other. And that, like, there was no proof of, like, a struggle. Nothing was stolen. Nothing of value was stolen. They literally just left, which also could have been that they were, like, that they were murdered and nothing was left behind and that it was just motive to kill them and get rid of them, which is why nothing of value was taken. But yeah, I mean, like <laughs> it, it adds up that it could be that they were spies and they just disappeared. And, but I mean, like also the fact that he has a property in a different country. Yeah. Like there's just, there's so much shady stuff that could be the reasoning behind this. And what is the motivation of them disappearing? The telegram could come out of anywhere. And like you said, could have just been somebody trying to frame the Kirkland guy. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of thinking, too. It seems, I don't know, then it kind of bleeds. That's what I'm thinking is I believe either the spies theory or I don't think she killed him. I yeah, don't think she killed him. It seemed like everyone really... She was very much Muriel in that way of just yeah. being like very sweet and kind. She had a lot... Of, people had a lot of good stuff to say about her, but she was just secretive. Here I go again. The vibes are telling me that <laughs> she did not kill him. Ooh, but what if her family had him, had them killed? Another theory. Ooh, I'm so good at this. <laughs> I wish I liked blood and like could handle crime scenes. I would maybe do well in this. <laughs> you just keep questioning stuff and there's more and more theories and they're like, we have to narrow this down. They're like, Abby, go to bed. Um, <laughs> Let us figure something out first. Yeah. No, that, uh, I mean, yeah, obviously 
we could go on for days about that. That's the really fun part about this one. And I really like how that's kind of tailored into Courage the Cowardly Dog with all these fucked up scenarios of like, and also skinwalkers. I was seeing mm-hmm. like weird things about that when I was looking into this earlier too, mm-hmm. which that I could believe like, oh, who knows, you know? Yeah. But it makes that show even more terrifying knowing that there's some like fucked up backstory behind it. Yeah. Well, and the Skinwalkers for children <laughs> is so tied to beliefs and just like lore and things that are told in reservations and mm-hmm. from indigenous people, and that it kind of makes sense for the setting as well. It does. It checks out. Yeah, certainly. It's because they show a map of where this house is. Actually, where the next house is that I'm going to talk about, because the other house also has theories about it. There is a second picture that makes its rounds claiming to be the real house of Courage the Cowardly Dog. And this one is really fucked. (laughs) It's really gross. So not too far away from El Paso, Texas is another location that fans theorize is the inspiration for Eustace and Muriel's house in a real place, really named Truth or Consequence. What? New Mexico. That's weird. <laughs> Which is, everybody ties that together. Not that in the uh, the middle of nowhere is ever like capitalized. So it's never used as a title, but everybody just refers to middle of nowhere as where they live. And people are like, oh, this could be, maybe they were kind of referencing truth or consequence. New Mexico, where a serial killer torture house was. Ooh, and that is one of the pictures that is shown that people claim to be the inspiration. And that is the torture house of David Parker Ray, a.k.a. the Toy Box Killer. He named it that. <laughs> so he kind of named himself. Everybody calls it the Toy Box Killer because he called that house his toy box, where he kept all of his torture devices. It's very sick and twisted and i don't want to get too too much into it because you guys can do your own research because it's i can't believe i haven't heard of him before they're like actually i guess there's a episode not that they ever i don't know that they ever directly mentioned the name toy box killer but apparently there's an episode of criminal minds that was also kind of inspired by him david parker ray it's not it's still not known how many people exactly he has killed but it's 60 plus it's another case of bad parenting and an awful upbringing because he lived with his grandparents who were abusive and his father would come to visit sometimes who was also an alcoholic and abusive and brought him pornography like brought him like very sadistic messed up pornography at like a very young age he wasn't even a teenager yet and this is what his dad is sharing with him so obviously all of these things unfortunately are the perfect combination for a serial killer right and of course he didn't respect women he hated women and enjoyed torturing women he would sexually assault and worse but I mean, he like he had a table with stirrups. He so, had. But how does this tie into courage? So his house, the the toy, what he called his toy box, that place, that house that is in 
Truth or Consequence, New Mexico. There's a picture of it. And it does look, I'll post all the pictures on our social media so you guys can see too. Because when you compare the two pictures side by side from Courage the Cowardly Dog with both of these stories, the both houses look a lot like it. Not that it's hard. It's a pretty simple house. <laughs> it's kind of this like depression era house. Oh, I would hope that they didn't use that story as yeah. uh, inspiration for that show. Just because again, this was for children. So I'm kind of leaning on the less grisly one, hopefully, because <laughs> it actually made my stomach turn start like some of the stuff you started talking about. Because I was like, oh, gross. Um, yikes here. I would hope that wasn't some inspo used, but it is an interesting theory. Whew. Yeah. And even, I mean, even the, the other one, uh, the Pattersons, that is a bit of a stretch because, again, it's all just theories. And I think it's just somebody found this house and was like, hey, that looks like the house from Courage the Cowardly Dog. But you could probably say that about quite a few structures. Sure. Out in a desert area like that where it's very depression era houses very small very rickety and kind of falling down and in the middle of nowhere so it's just a fun theory at least for the first one (laughs) and just related to an unsolved mystery which is always just interesting to theorize about but um i had no idea it was it was such a surprise because the first i actually came across the toy box killer theory first and it wasn't the second one I came across was about the Pattersons but had no idea that there was so many theories about just the house alone from Courage yeah which makes the show certainly I think a little bit more frightening and eerie (laughs) now like if I were to watch it today knowing that the inspo has some pretty messed up I mean either one is messed up Like one just seems like a little bit more digestible compared to the other because you don't actually ever get like any clarity on what happened to them. Whereas the other one, you know, oof, we know what's going on there. But just the idea, both are so messed up. Just people disappearing like that. I just don't, that always, I just can't comprehend. I'm like, how does somebody, unless they were killed, (laughs) disappear like that? It was probably a lot easier back then too. It's it's a lot harder by today's standards, consider just like all the paper trails we have with technology and stuff. Like we would basically have to delete everything, never pick it up again. Anything that relates to this current life of ours Mm -hmm. um, and never pick it up or log into it again. You're that easily traceable now. Back in the day, like you think 50, like God. Yeah. If you want to disappear, figure out how... <laughs> you got to go back to the 50s. To time travel first. <laughs> Your first step is figure out time travel. <laughs> Second step, pick the 50s and, dis- and just disappear. Because these cops are idiots. Because Bob Bailey, he's not solving <laughs> any case. He actually did some work that he was trying to. It was a little late, but God, just I, I'm always baffled when I read about... It's, it's always from the 50s. <laughs> just all of these investigations where things were not looked into not questioned or they were just like oh he's a he's a no, good guy I think, yeah, no they went by like reputations and i think being a cop was more of like being cool than it was like about the work and i know like forensics is still such new science well, it's like the 90s new. yeah but still i'm just like i mean <laughs> even though they didn't have forensics why did that guy clean that stuff off we'll never know we will never know and did it even ever exist that's also my question. I don't know what he would, why he would have a reason to lie, but did they not look in the fucking garage? Did they not look at the boat? The fuck? We don't get to know. Nope. 
So sorry for that cliffhanger, but uh, definitely if this interests you, look a little bit more into some of these theories and some of these inspirations for Curse the Cowardly um, Dog because it's... Yeah, you'll never watch the show the same again now. Terrifyingly fascinating. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I can watch it now. Yeah, Oof. not that I ever wanted to really go back to it. <laughs> but if you liked the show, that's fine. <laughs> Hopefully you still do after this. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> like some of the movies that have fucked up backgrounds behind mine yeah because like it's controversial now because the director is not a good guy but one of Mm. my favorite movies growing up is jeepers creepers i thought Mm. it was fucking terrifying but the movie obviously does its own thing but the intro of that movie is what is so fascinating is because they pull it from a real life event that took place and it was actually on unsolved mysteries I can't believe I've never come across it. I can't believe you've never come across that because Maybe I have. Yeah, let me get into it. So, yeah, that's the fun thing is the movie, aside from the intro, really does its own thing. And for anybody that hasn't seen the movie, the intro goes along the lines of two siblings um, driving home on spring break on this long, deserted road. And as they're driving, they play this car game where they, like, make names out of license plates. The movie changes it a little bit, in which case that um, the guy comes up and scares them first, and then they see the license plate, but the actual story goes is that they were playing a game, they saw the license plate, made note of it because it was like, G's or something. It was like, G's, he's in a hurry, is what she ended up associating the nameplate with based off the letters. And so then they drove past it again, but the next time they saw it, the car was pulled off behind this abandoned church and they saw the man putting um, something behind it, but it was covered in a white sheet stained with blood. And so they were like, yo, that's fucking crazy. And then again, obviously they noticed the license plate and associated with that guy. So they start to try and drive to find some help to uh, contact the authorities. And then the guy starts chasing them and tailing them a little bit and obviously trying to scare them get them off the road who knows but then he pulls off and the couple realizes that in order to make a statement to the police they need a full license plate so they go back like fucking thugs because i can't say that i would ever do that i'm a chicken shit yeah Um, i'm not gonna go back no but then they see him and he's changing his license plate oh fuck Yeah, and so that, before I get into it, is just this fucked up story, but the intro in the movie is basically they see the exact same thing taking place, and then they get chased on the road, things like that, but they go back, and they, like, investigate the body, and then the guy finds out and has to, like, chase them and everything like that. Nope. So, it's just crazy that they pull... I had no idea. That movie scared me so much as a kid, just for the sake of the concept of the movie and then to know that parts of it are part of an actual real life murder that took place because come to find out this is a man named Dennis Depew and he is accused of murdering his wife so that's who that's always how it goes right no (laughs) so in just to give a little background on it so in 1990 Dennis Depew was on the run Depew had murdered his wife and left her body behind an empty schoolhouse. He was never charged, and the truth behind the murder may never be known. 
I'll get into why that is. Cause I was like, what the fuck? How do they know? How are we talking about this man then? <laughs> but anyway, people postulate that Depew's wife filed for divorce and he killed her in a fit of rage. He would have never been discovered, but an unlucky turn of events led him to becoming the main suspect. Sadly, Depew had previously beaten his wife, Marilyn Depew in front of their three children. Afterward, he told the children that he was going to the hospital. Instead, he took their mother to the schoolhouse where he shot her in the head. He assumed that he would not be bothered because few people drove down the isolated Michigan road. On, on April 15, 1990, Depew reported his wife as missing. His neighbors immediately suspected him as the Depew's marital decay was well known. While Depew was disposing of his wife's body on an isolated road, Ray and Marie Thornton happened upon Depew and witnessed the act. The Thorntons were playing a license plate game while on their drive when they first noticed Depew's van. The van was pulled over at a church when Marie Thornton noticed Depew moving what she described as a bloody sheet from his van. Once they passed by, Depew quickly began to follow them very closely for several miles. Eventually, he gave up. However, the Thorntons turned the tables and went back to investigate, only to find Depew changing his license plates on the side of the road. They saw blood in the van when they drove by, which convinced them to return to the church where they had seen Depew and the bloody sheet that would eventually report their findings to police. Later on... The scene of the Thorntons following the murder was told on Unsolved Mysteries, and it would eventually be recreated in the opening scene of Jeepers Creepers. And when I was talking about Dennis DePew, um, so after discovering that Dennis DePew was also missing, the police began investigating him in his wife's disappearance. He disappeared into hiding, and the case initially went unsolved. In 1991, the episode of Unsolved Mysteries showcased the murder, which caused Dennis to panic. He left the hideout that he lived in for 11 months and fled to Texas. While in Dallas, he took on the name of Hank Queen and tried to start a new life. The police ultimately discovered the ruse and Dennis fled to Mississippi. The manhunt ended when Depew took his own life, leaving many questions unanswered. So he was found slumped over the steering wheel. So he killed himself, that little chicken shit. What if he was also somehow the inspiration for King of the Hill? I've never seen that show. I don't know what thing about that show. It has nothing scary, but his name was, his chosen Hank, name was Hank Queen. You're such a goof. <laughs> no. Oh my God. You're such an idiot, Brie. You're so goofy. Can I say another stupid thing? Yes. Why are murderers using light colored sheets to transport bloody bodies? Is this your first day on the job? Wouldn't even have got noticed if you used a black sheet. Seriously. Or <laughs> a little less ominous. Tips. Like I obviously wouldn't be looking for it. <laughs> literally us again in the crime scene like talking to the guy we're like are you for real my guy here's what we would have done they're like you two are some of the worst detectives we've ever worked with i'm thinking like the killer one can't even show up to the crime the killer one can't show up to the crime scene one's giving the guys advice On what he could have done better. (laughs) I have some notes. They're like, they're the worst. (laughs) She's been in the bathroom throwing up for 10 minutes. (laughs) No, but I I think that's so fucking creepy. That's so creepy. I, I, like you said, I would never in a million years go back. If I'm going to the police, I'm like, no, this is the information I have. I have places to be. I'm not going back there. You do that. That's literally your job. Sir, I do not protect and serve. I just serve. <laughs> You're so stupid. <laughs> that was amazing. I love it. No, that was good. I'm really happy about that. <laughs> Ugh. 
Yeah. Um, Can't say that I'd go back. <laughs> Shout out to them, though. They're so cool. I hope you get royalties for your story from Jeepers Creepers because they play it on AMC a lot <laughs> during Fright Fest, especially. So that's terrifying. Get but your I, bag. I also want to talk to then just the creators, director and writer and everybody and just be like, did you literally just see this episode of unsolved mysteries and you were like and then your mind just like took off yeah oh that's a really good question like i would love i just want a conversation with just how it all came about yeah (laughs) that'd be really fun um i wouldn't talk to the director he does not have the best past oh yeah um these days i don't know so much about i don't know if he wrote it as well so don't who cares about the direction yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what are you in awards for that <laughs> no just kidding you uh, didn't do anything with the stories only no it's, it's just really, really the it really it's really and like if the movie already wasn't creepy enough based on its plot that certainly makes it all that more fucked up knowing yeah. that they took a little bit of that inspo i mean to your point too who knows i mean i don't who knows what spiraled from that if it was because that's really cool to think about um and a little concerning to then um, gather where that plot goes from there yeah that's pretty concerning in itself but still a, it, one of the best openers in my opinion because it's terrifying and you hear stories about it all the time I mean of like being tailed seeing things on the side of the road I mean we were just talking about it last episode yeah. with like urban legends of like again hello never stopping for anything so yeah. all the more shout out to them couldn't be me I'm so sorry no um, but I'm glad he got his comeuppets. Am I saying that right? <laughs> you mixed it with Muppets. Comeuppets? Comeuppins. Comeuppins? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't think like, I like that up. word at all. Uh, yeah, I'm not a fan. I'm glad he got his. <laughs> and, well, he's a pussy as well. <laughs> yeah, I just... I There's a lot of movies I think I would love to talk to writers and just be like, where did you get this inspiration? Yeah, or how much did this come from this? Yeah. Because literally one of my favorite short story, not so short because I don't know how to tell a short story, scripts that I wrote was based off, I got the inspiration from something that I learned in psychology class. Ooh, that's fun. And it was like, and I was very, very, very into Criminal Minds at the time. So it was very much just like an episode of Criminal Minds. I was like, oh my God, I have an idea for an episode. No, that's really cool too. But so I just like, is did he literally just see it on TV? And then he that's, was like. That's really interesting. Because yeah, I mean, me and you have wrote stuff before. Because when I did my little short film, our first year at school, I based my film off of a short story that I read. And I didn't do like. I only pulled like one specific thing, which was like writing on the wall that was in the story that really fucked with me mm-hmm. uh, or it just stuck with me more than anything. And then I based the movie about that and I just knew I wanted to do that, which makes me excited to talk about the next one and really what inspired or just to know more what inspired what and where. And I, you, I get a little bit of knowledge about that having done my research, but I don't think you've ever seen it. It's The Strangers. No, I still haven't seen that one because Kaylee said it freaked her out so much. I was like, okay, I'm never seeing it. <laughs> God, Brie, I just love our paradoxes with each other um, because I went and saw that in theaters with my parents when I was a kid. It was me, my brother, my mom, and my dad, and we went and all saw it together. And I fucking love it. Um, which is I so- do want to see it now that I'm not I, as big of a chicken. <laughs> it's scary. It's scary because it's so real and it could happen to just about anybody. It could happen to us. That is exactly why I didn't see it earlier. <laughs> because no. 
that's what scares me. Like I'll watch paranormal activity and stuff like that. And yeah, that's jump scares and, and stuff like that. But anytime anything, the more based in reality it is, the more it scares the shit out of me. Where with even like Halloween, that's why as a kid, it took me so long to watch that. Cause I was like, it's a real person though. Oh no. Yeah. I was like, this is a person and, killing people. I don't want to watch that. And that's those scary. are my favorite because mm, that's what I know. love about the horror <laughs> genre is what really gets me are the movies where I can put myself in their shoes and be like, no, this could happen to me. It's the ones that are so far-fetched that I'm, and that's why I get so annoyed with some of the genre sometimes. Cause I'm like, there's like, there's a Hulu movie right now about sloths. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? You know, like it's so comical. But anyway, movies like this really pull at me because it's so much more terrifying than just a jump scare. Cause it could happen to us. Yeah. That's yeah. I don't like it. Not a fan. <laughs> well so the movie right away says that it's based on events if you like were to watch the trailer and even when Mm. the movie starts it says based on real life events so right away you know it's not going to be exactly this but you know it's inspired from something true that happened and right away people's immediate thoughts are the manson murders that took place which yeah which is correct because the director uh does note that but there's actually three scenarios that inspired this movie and i get to talk about all three of them (laughs) so let me get into it according to novice writer and director brian bertino the stranger's true story is primarily based on three alternate true stories the first is the infamous series of murders committed by the manson family in 1969 later nicknamed helter skelter which were organized by Charles Manson in an ill-conceived bid to start a race war the cult leader had predicted. In particular, the home invasion and killings of actress Sharon Tate stands out as a clear marker for the stranger's artistic direction, with its gruesome knife violence drawing close parallels to the stabbings of Sharon Tate. Which is true. That's what I immediately thought when I saw the movie when I was younger is I was like, oh, this is the Manson murders. Because um, if you've ever heard, like seen any documentaries about the Manson murders too, before they even started with Sharon Tate, it was isolated incidents with people because obviously practice makes perfect. So they had to uh, try on a bunch of different people beforehand. And those were just random people. Yeah. So I right away knew that was an inspo when I first saw the movie. The other two... I was like, oh, fuck. The second inspiration for The Stranger's True Story is the infamous 1981 Ketty Cabin murders. Four people were killed in a small Californian resort town, including Sue Sharp, her son, John, daughter, Tina, and John's friend, Dana. Disturbingly, the motive for some of those murders is still unknown, as the Ketty Police Department never caught the real-life killers. And the case remains unsolved. Because Bob Bailey was on the case, I bet. This is sounding familiar. I feel like I know this story. Not that I know that it was tied to this movie, but I'm trying to figure out where the heck I heard this. Oh, so obvious similarities around here with the three masked assailants in The Strangers wandering off into the morning chill after massacring Kristen and James simply because they were home, which is a line that they (sighs) use in the movie when Liv Tyler's literally like, why are you doing this to us? You could hear a pin drop and then the words that come out of her mouth are because you were home. And that makes my skin crawl because I'm like, that's so true. There are so many people that get picked up off the streets. I mean, we talked about it last week when we were doing our scary stories. Like Mm -hmm. it's, 
just the simple fact that me and you were right place, right time in someone's eyes kind of thing. Right. And that's what I find so terrifying about this movie. And I don't actually watch it a ton is because it does hit close to home on that marker of like, yeah, this could happen to us. I mean, oof, I hate it so much. But the third and final slice of real inspiration for The Stranger's true story derives from Bertino's life experience. As a child, Bertino recalls a night his parents weren't home and someone knocked on their door asking for someone who didn't live there. In a reverse of The Strangers, Bertino states he later learned that the people knocking were robbing houses in the neighborhood where no one was home instead of attacking people inside their houses. Still, the experience left an incredible mark on Bertino and later morphed into the terrifying portrait of random rental violence the Strangers movie endeavors do depict. I, oh my God, I feel like recently too in like recent episodes that i've been listening to there have been way too many stories on one of the two podcasts that we listen to where people where that's been the stories is that people have been have knocked looking for somebody or like one even recently was some guy he like had a pizza box yes i was just about to say the one we just listened to was it just oh my god yeah and oh i hate it and but yeah, people like looking to make sure people are home and that there was like a bunch of robberies and then there's always one that goes too far mm-hmm. and somebody gets killed. Uh, well, and I think about that because there was one time, I didn't talk about it in last week's episode, but I know I remember me, you and Devin having talked about it, but I was home alone when we had just moved into this apartment and somebody was knocking at our door. <gasps> oh yeah. And being the true final girl that I am. No, I didn't open that door. Fuck mm-hmm. no. And I didn't even talk either because the person never announced themselves that's the thing that I hated the most and to Mm -hmm. this day because I'm like if you're not somebody suspicious or if you have a reason of being somewhere like why are you not announcing yourself especially if someone's not opening the door Mm -hmm. so right there I immediately having read that paragraph about it I'm like oh fuck like I can relate to that that's really scary knowing because there's also parts in the film Brie uh where she they first start knocking on the door because they play like a cat and mouse game with the couple Mm-mm. like playing with your food before you eat it Ugh. so they're knocking on the door and they're like is Sandra home and then she's like who's that and then she doesn't talk she's like is she here Mm-mm. all that and like oh and they like turned they took the light bulb from the porch light out so that you couldn't see her face because she obviously had a mask on that's inspired by a serial killer is it yeah he used to do that he would go around he would stalk houses and i wish i could remember it's one of the first few stories another one of the podcasts that i love listening to uh radio rental mm-hmm. so good it's but yeah there was a there was a a murderer who did that and would stock houses where he knew that it was like either women alone or <gasps> mostly women or just Wait. like knew when it was just the women home yeah. and he would take he would purposely take the light bulbs out of their front porch light so that like that's how he remembered and also how I, it became like a calling card basically that makes me want to throw up. Yeah. Because <laughs> you just never know who's watching. Well, yeah. You never know who's watching. Because one of those stories I actually didn't include last week, I was going to talk about it, was it's short just because I had just got home from like my parents, like a long weekend in the suburbs, and I was coming home, so I had a lot of stuff to carry out of my car. So it took me a minute to go from the parking lot 
to the front door, even though it's only a matter of like 15 steps at most. Mm -hmm. And I made it through the door and was maybe three steps up and somebody was frantically knocking on the front door. And I was like, oh, like it could, I only went back to look to see who it was because I was like, oh, is it like Abby or Devin or somebody? Oh yeah. Like, like they forgot their key or something. They just saw me come in. But how long was this person? Because it wasn't somebody that I knew. And it was a man who was telling me that he was here to visit a friend. No way. Yeah, no. I, I hate that story. Went back down and I said, and I, I didn't say anything to him. He just saw me come back down. He saw me look. I was looking out the window and he said, I'm here to visit my friend. And I didn't understand him for some, for some reason. I said, what? <laughs> and he said, I'm here to visit my friend. I said, well, then you can call them. And I like went to turn around. He said, no, please. I need to get in. And I was so fucking over it. I rolled my eyes and I was like, (laughs) and I just like stomped up the stairs and I was just like, I, I left the situation. Luckily he left, but I mean, he knew you weren't, he wasn't going to get anywhere with you. It was, if I had got through that door, any, if it took me any longer, he would have met me on the steps. Yeah. No, he was watching you. And I tell you that all the time and I never mean it to freak you out, but I'm just like so certain about it too. This was somebody who convenience. Yeah. You were there. You were the right time, right moment. Um, And And I don't know where he came from. Divine intervention here, babe. Yeah. That's the truth of the matter. And you better believe I stopped staying in my car for so long. Yeah. That's the (laughs) fucked up part about it too. Or made sure that it was a quick exit. Yeah. Movies like The Strangers really... Like I said, that's why I can't watch this one too much because it is so realistic in the sense that like this could easily happen to anybody and everybody has a story where it's just a little bit too close to home or they just barely miss something. It's still one of the things I do like about the genre, though, is the creativity that goes with movies like this and shows like Courage is... Because what we were talking about earlier is how much of this inspired you? What did you pull from here? What did you do Mm -hmm. to make it so much more deep than what it was? That's the really fun part. Because it's like, okay, did you see this unsolved mystery and make a plot completely out of this? Right. Um, Oh, did you need a way to open it and saw like a way to tie it in this way? There's a lot of creativity that goes into stuff like that. So adaptations are always really fun for me. In that regard, especially when they have fun stories like these do. And I feel like the horror genre in particular always, it just takes a lot of creativity to do things like that. It does. And it's especially with these ones where I didn't even know that they're, I mean, it's all alleged with uh, courage, but with the, with the movies you've been talking about, had no idea that there were real life inspirations. Yeah. Like that. Makes it all the more terrifying. Yeah, to learn later on. Because that's what we always get to tell ourselves. even scarier. Is, you know, these aren't real. This isn't real. This mm-hmm. isn't real. And that's how a lot of people get through those things. But to know that, hey, if you go driving on the road and you drive past the wrong person at the wrong time, you could end up being tailed or chased. If you're deserted and home alone and somebody just, starts knocking on your door, instantly call the police. Leave. I don't know. But, you know, that's just the things is you never, you never know. And and I feel like that is why one of my favorite parts about, like, you just being a lifelong horror fan and bringing it more into my life and my interests. And we have, like, our film backgrounds that connect us that way, too, that we just appreciate the whole filmmaking process of it all. Mm-hmm. 
and I know that we are preaching this all the fucking time that the horror genre just does not get the appreciation it deserves. It doesn't. With the creativity and the depth and just how much cinematically and oftentimes how much are practical effects and mm-hmm. not done in post. Right. That it's just so incredible and it's, it's so true. fun because it plays on the psychology of the audience so mm-hmm. much. You have to do a lot with horror, especially when it's good. And I think that's why so many people turn their back to it is because a lot of stuff does get green lighted like that sloth, like sloth, slaughterhouse, I think is what it's called, guys. <laughs> oh, I couldn't even slaughterhouse. Maybe I'm not sure. It's a play on the name sloth. It's just things like that really kind of make it hard for the genre to get the respect that it does because it's so easy to do like, you know, mock stuff, camp stuff. Right. But stuff like The Strangers, Haunting of Hill House, Dr. Sleep, The Shine, all of it is so interesting because it plays on so much of the human psyche. And it can be so simple. Like you can have whatever feelings you have about the Paranormal Activity franchise, what it turned into. You're free to have those feelings. Sure, of I course. Have some too. But I mean, they made so much fucking money because they it was did. so like grassroots and so cheap to make. Same with Halloween. But so scary. Same. Same with Halloween. Like Halloween, John Carpenter has specifically chose the ending that he did in Halloween 1978 because the original film was not made with the intent to do all these sequels it was just supposed to be this but john chose does everybody like how i call so many celebrities by their first names like i know them (laughs) on a personal level i always do that and it cracks me up but john uh ended the film with with michael's breathing over all of the areas like Mm. still shots of where he had been that night but it's just his breathing over that because he wanted the audience to have the idea that michael could be right out there when you're leaving the theater and i I'm like, that's sick. I, I love, love it. That. I and love that. <laughs> that's like only that genre can do that to you. Like my grandma could never have a shower curtain after she saw the movie Psycho. It had to be glass after I that. I was just going to bring up Hitchcock because like that's another cool thing about the horror genre is that they are so successful in breaking so many of the typical or really old rules of filmmaking exactly. and story writing that like even his wife was like, you're killing her in the first <laughs> however long. And he's like, oh, like it's 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 so cool the way that they can break the rules and then also create their own formula yeah. for like what typically makes a good horror film. But then also break all of those rules if they want. It's yeah. just like there's so much you can do with horror and like because there's so many subgenres of it exactly. too that if you like the more gory stuff watch that go yep. watch saw i'm yeah. never gonna watch it i'm <laughs> you lost me after four babe there's 10 now there's holy 10. shit oh my god if you love slasher flicks you know <laughs> if you love the psychological horror the true crime like mm-hmm. related ones there's something for everybody which is another reason why i love this genre so much is because it's like it's so big, but it's one big family at the end of the day. And I just don't mm-hmm. feel like you get that with the other genres. And the people, we're going to bring it full circle and bring it right back around <laughs> to Mike Flanagan. The people who can make something so terrifying and so scary that plays on all of the things that are just like our instinctual fears, but also puts so much fucking heart in it. Yes. Where I am one second, I am scared <laughs> and like jumping out of my seat. 
to the next minute I'm crying because I just like, I'm, it's so sad. And I'm just like the heart of the story and just yes the way that he writes about, or that he creates stories about families and the way he, oh, he works it in. You really need to so, see Dr. Sleep. Oh, I do. You do. Because that movie is, again, the way he did the full circle with Jack uh, Torrance and Danny have their full circle moment in the bar in the hotel. It's so beautiful and so well done. The t- oh, Brie, Mike Flanagan rocks. <laughs> he does. He and is, he, I think I can safely say he's my favorite director. And another one of my favorite, because I've been saying basically since I saw it, that Hill House is my favorite piece of uh, horror. But I've added to that list because my other, one of my other favorite pieces of horror as of recently has been barbarian yeah just of as as of last year right yes just came out last i'm year. so glad you finally saw it <laughs> never seen it yeah the running joke is brie saw that movie with me and i forgot and i texted her one day and was like brie barbarian's finally on hbo max you can watch it and I she was so confused she was like yeah again <laughs> I literally sat next to you in a theater. <laughs> no. So it's, it, it, oh gosh. Yeah. And that's the thing that's been making me really happy lately too, especially with movies like TV shows are getting their respect in the horror genre, but I feel like movies are too. And Barbarian in particular, it just does such a phenomenal job in so many different categories there from changing the plot halfway through to touching base on like moments in history, like the Detroit housing market mm-hmm. or, and then like, you know, incestuous like oh it's and the me too movement with going on like that it's not just a scary movie for the sake of scary things it's scary real life instances too that take place here that spiral all these events and then come together at the end and it's just like chef's fucking kiss yeah because you need every little bit of information in that movie truly i'm gonna sound like an asshole because i hate that i'm using this term but I, I had honestly a master class in building and releasing tension. It is. It's so fucking you good in that way. You never know where the char- where you stand with the characters until it's too late. The editing in that fucking film is so good, as is the cinematography. We could go on <laughs> for days, weeks, months. We even thought about making a podcast strictly related to horror, the, the horror genre for a while. So just know that's how much we love it. And we've really enjoyed getting to um, just record ourselves speaking about what our daily conversations <laughs> for us. And we really hope you enjoyed it too. We hope we gave you some new movies to watch, some yeah. new TV shows. Maybe you're just going to completely nope out of the genre after listening to us. You're like too close to home here. You're like, no, I actually like not being afraid when I turn a corner. I like that I don't jump out of my skin multiple times a day. I I'm like, oh, that. that's so boring. That's so boring. Look over your shoulder. Come on. <laughs> Or at the very least, we've taught you not to answer doors, not to stop for people on the side of the road. Yeah. Um, and never trust a cop named Bob Bailey. And if you're going to disappear, do it in the 1950s. Yeah. If you learned anything from this episode, so, let it be that. You should have disappeared 60 years ago. <laughs> If you have anything you want to share with us too, if this sparked some of your nerdiness yeah. and anything that oh you God, love I from the so. genre, yeah, we absolutely want to hear it. 
Or even if you don't like it, let us know why. Because I was once there, so can probably change our relate. minds. <laughs> change our minds. Uh, but if you have, or, or if you're new to it and you're just kind of growing into it, let us know because I also love having those conversations. Yeah, every conversation about it, we love it. We're so excited about all of it. But really, do hope that you enjoyed this and hope that maybe we could do something more with it someday. Yeah, soon. that would be really great too. If you guys liked this and would love more episodes like this every now and then I mean twist our arm I guess we'll do it but in the meantime after this we're kind of back to our regular episodes and this has been such a fun time for the both of us yeah I know I really appreciated this month and you guys we've really had a lot of fun with it and can't wait to do something similar next year but in the meantime maybe even sooner than next year yeah like I said if you guys like this we can always bring stuff like this back Mm -hmm. um but we will be getting so please do email us anything you have to say any questions you have advice you want Or if you just want to say, hey, talk about philosophy. (laughs) We might not get back to you about that one, but I'm going to need to do some research before I follow. (laughs) But even if it is that we love hearing from you guys, (laughs) we want those emails. Again, you can email us at rentfreeroommates at gmail.com. And you can also follow us on our social media of Instagram and Facebook. Red free roommates, both places. But hope you guys had fun. We had a lot of fun with you this month. And I hope that you also have a safe and happy Halloween. Yes, let us know what you're doing. I'll be in Salem. Yes. Oh my God. I can't believe we didn't talk about that. I know. I'm very jealous of you. <laughs> I wish I could go, but I'm also very excited for you. <laughs> I will celebrate hard for the both of us, but <laughs> yes, to Bree's point, have a happy and safe Halloween. Stay spooky, stay scary, stay safe, and let us know what you're doing until next time. <laughs> let us know what you dressed up as too. But until then, we will see you guys next time. Love you so much. Bye. Bye. Bye.